0: Good morning. Good morning. Mary. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. I invite you to stand as we join together in our hymn of celebration, number 715, Rejoice, the Lord is King, and ask you to remain standing as Brian leads us in the prayer of adoration.
1: Son into the world, that we might live through him. Glory be to thee, O Lord Jesus Christ, who has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Glory be to thee, O Holy Spirit of God, who dost quicken us together with Christ, and dost shed abroad his love in our hearts. Blessed be thou, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God and blessed be thy glorious name forever now grant us we humbly pray thy blessing this day that we might worthily worship and magnify your name amen
0: unfortunately this morning i have to say that um, tammy was going to sing this song but she's been ill the last couple days and has gotten this thing that's come down very croupy and the uh, and the bronchial tubes, and so she was very disappointed to, to not be able to be here. So on Friday night, as we really thought that we were hoping she could get better, we understood that she wasn't, so I called David in Curvis and asked if he would uh, be uh, willing to step in, and I'm so glad he did. Although I did tell David, he is nowhere as pretty as Tammy. <laughs> and also, Tammy has never had a nicer looking beard as that. So David, thank you for, um, for stepping in today. This uh, particular uh, piece that he's singing came from a hymn. And it was um, originally included in the uh, uh, book called Songs of Praise, published in 1931 and collected in the Highlands. It was um, then by a um, tune that was found in the book called The Hymn of the Gales, which was the Gaelic Scottish hymn book. Uh, there was a lady, Eleanor Farjean, who was asked to write a poem to the music and she set this poem to this music and it has been popularized through our time today by cat stevens as we know it morning has broken
2: good morning everyone good morning. i have to tell you what an honor and a privilege it is to sing the lord's uh, praises for you <laughs>
0: A joy today is uh, what we call Tartan Sunday. Uh, is a special day because on the uh, 6th of April in 1998 the Congress of the United States established Tartan Day and we tried to celebrate a time of Tartan Sunday closest to that occurrence. This was an opportunity for the United States to acknowledge the uh, deep uh, blessings and the deep uh, wor- involvement and work of uh, people of uh, Irish, Scottish, and English ancestry who were a part of the United States and from the very beginning of this country uh, developed and supported all the things that are so important to us today. And so on this uh, Tartan Sunday, we give recognition to all of you who have uh, those roots in those countries. And so I'm just going to ask you right now, if uh, you have a certain ancestry, let me ask you to raise your hand. How many have English ancestry? Wow, a lot of you. A lot of you. How about Irish? A lot of Irishers. How about Scottish? How about Welshish? <laughs> I, you and me are the only ones. I, another one there. How many are ticklish? <laughs> I, you're all included, aren't you? You're all included. What I'd like to ask if you brought your tartan or you have your plaid or you got your kilt on, I'm just to ask you to all stand. Would you do that, please? Aye, isn't that great? Let's give them all a big hand. So thank you for, for being here and to celebrate a day that uh, is uh, traditional. Uh, it was interesting as uh, this first started in 1941 under the preaching of the Reverend Dr. Peter Marshall, who served at one time as uh, chaplain of the United States Senate until a very Uh, a very severe illness and heart attack um, took his life, Uh, but remembered with great fondness, even to this day in Washington, for the way he was able to go on both sides of the aisle, bringing people together by the power of prayer. And uh, he preached a sermon in 1941 called Kirking of the Tartan. And from that, he was able to establish the uh, tradition, which started in Presbyterian churches, which is now uh, celebrated annually at the National Cathedral uh, in Washington, D.C., and now in Methodist churches, it's even celebrated in Catholic churches. There have even been Orthodox Armenian churches that celebrate this, simply because there is a wide diaspora of the people who were coming from that uh, very small island that brought many people to these shores. And uh, so we celebrate that in the, the good spirit of that. And uh, I use this uh, uh, quote that's in Gaelic in our uh, front of our bulletin. Or is lesta Rarach? Agus am kumrach, agus glor gushorach. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And we give all the thanks to God for this day as we remember this kirking of the Tartans.
1: May we continue with an attitude and a heart for prayer as we join in our prayer hymn, found in your black book, the baby sing, Change My Heart, O God.
3: Change my heart, oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God. May I be like you. You are the potter. I am the clay. and make me, this is what I pray. Change my heart, O oh God, make it ever done. Change my heart, oh God, may I be like My heart oh God Make it ever true Change my heart oh God May I be like you You are the potter I am the clay and make me. This is what I pray. Change my heart, O God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, O God. May I be like
1: thanks and praise this day as we come into your presence to give you thanks and praise for the beauty of your creation, the joy of community and of worship in your presence. For we know that you have created us in your image and that you continue to mold and to shape us. May our hearts and our lives be open to continue to feel your transforming touch that changes hearts and changes lives. God, we give you thanks and praise as we celebrate this day, the gift of birthdays and the celebrations of families and of friendships. Glorious God, we give you thanks and praise for the abundant blessings that you have given into our lives that we don't always acknowledge, that we don't always recognize, but that you still continue to offer and to share. Merciful God, as we lift up our joys, we too lift up the burdens that we bear, the sins that we have committed, the hardships that we face, for we know that before the throne of your grace, we might offer these before you. glorious God, we ask that you hear our cries, that we bring comfort to those who mourn and who are sick that you use us to meet the needs of those who struggle to make ends meet. God, that we bring your light and your peace to a world in strife. That we understand a peace that passes all understanding offered through your Son. That in the midst of all the things that life throws at us, the hecticness and the busyness of this world, that we might find our rest in you. Glorious God, we give you thanks and praise for this day that we might come before you, but for a moment of silence, to catch our breath, to be still, to seek your guidance and your direction, to feel the movement of your spirit in our lives and in our hearts. Glory God, we come to you now before a moment of silence. Lord we give you thanks as we lift these our prayers to you we continue to pray with and for one another for those whose lives are hectic may they find a moment of rest for those who have ample amounts of time may they find your direction and guidance to be used in ministry for those who are hurting may they find comfort For those who rejoice, may we rejoice with them. For all of the prayers that we lift up as a community, may we ever lift them before you. And as a community in prayer, may we ever pray together the prayer that your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, taught. That together we too may pray.
0: Our Our Father, Father, who who art art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come.
3: The presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel his mighty power and his grace. I can feel the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place.
1: May the ushers come forward to receive this one of the p.m. tithes and offerings.
4: receive a reading from the Word of God. Create in us a clean heart, O God,
0: and And renew a right spirit within us, according according to your grace and mercy.
4: May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear the scripture from St. John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you.
0: may we pray eternal god we give you thanks for the reading of the word and in this word o lord we find life and in that word this morning o god might it be not but words heard or words written on page with ink but now the living words and finding a place within us as the good seed that finds its way to good soil digs these roots and brings forth harvest may now this the seed of the word of god dig deeply into the soil of our souls and bring to us a harvest unto everlasting life through Jesus Christ, who is the living word of God, and in whose name we pray. Amen. A discussion came up at the 8 o'clock and the 9 o'clock service, and it'll probably be at this service too. Does a long scripture mean a short sermon? No, it does not. I suppose if I were to ask any of you, can you give me a listing of the 12 disciples, there are some of you who can say, I got it right right here. There are some of you that might have to think about it for a little while, and I want to let you know it's harder than you might think because of the fact that in the scriptures, the name of the disciples are some places different. Sometimes they're in Hebrew, sometimes they're in Meg, sometimes they're in Greek, and so you get all these people with all these names, so how did all those 12 people seem to be so many? But if I were to ask you what were the most common names of the disciples, I'm sure that every one of us would bring right to mind Peter. Who could forget Peter? And some of you would say, well, John. John's a pretty popular disciple. And, of course, he wasn't very popular, but what about Judas? Everybody knows that name. And I bet all of us would at least remember Thomas, if no one else. And when we think about the Lord's disciples, we even have certain words that almost always go with them. We talk about Judas Iscariot, we call him the betrayer. We talk about Peter, and we say, well, he denied Jesus three times, but he was also called the rock. He was the strong faith upon which the church would be built. We also talk about John, and we call him the beloved disciple. And when we come to Thomas, he is both known to us as. Thomas. Yep. I mean, if I were Thomas, I would have tried to have gotten a better PR firm for me. <laughs> for the last 2,000 years, everybody has called him the doubter. He was also called the twin, or in the language, didymus. And I know something about twins since I am one, and that just means double trouble. <laughs> But our account today in St. John is probably the one that most of us remember him from and by which most of us brand him with the name of Doubting Thomas. How would you like your name to go down for the next 2,000 years as something like Doubting Jim or John or Susan or Peggy? Wouldn't that tick you off? (laughs) And that, as we look at the story today, is something that we are brought face to face with ourselves. Let's look at Thomas first and see how his doubt compared to that of the other disciples. You know, Thomas is absent the first time Jesus comes and appears to the other disciples. Now, when Jesus appeared to the first disciples, what did they ask of him? Let me see the nail holes in your hands. Let us feel the spear in your side and then we will believe. A week later, Thomas comes in and the other disciples say, we have seen the Lord. And what does Thomas say? Show me the nail holes. Show me the spear for then... I will believe. Do you realize that Thomas was no less a doubter or no more faithful than any one of the other disciples? They were all doubting disciples. So how come Thomas gets to take the rap for the next 2,000 years? And as we gather together here today, I want you to see that the story of Thomas is really a story about every one of us. And you see, if you only see him as a doubter, if you only portray him in that way, then you miss the whole understanding about this story, which is not about doubting Thomas, it is about the risen power of Jesus Christ over the dead to bring people to faith. That's the story of doubting Thomas. You see, he was the one, when the disciples were coming to the Passover, he was the only one when the other disciples told Jesus, don't go. We know what what is going to happen. He was the one who said, come, let us go, and we will die with him. But it was shortly before Jesus' death that there is another scripture that is brought to us. It comes out of John 14. And in that one, Jesus says to his disciples as he knew he would face the cross And as he knew so long ago, these 20 millennia, that he would give us courage to face life and death, when he said, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid, for in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you so. And behold, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, you may be also. And in this story, Thomas pipes up. It pipes up, I like that. <laughs> Thomas pipes up, but Lord, we don't know the way, so how can we know the way that you're going? And Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. You see, Thomas's doubt was actually a way his faith. And when Thomas understood that, his life was changed. Now it is interesting that in that scripture of John 14 that in his response and Jesus' response back to him was given one of the most powerful I am statements of Jesus Christ in all of the New Testament when he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Several weeks later, a week after the crucifixion and the resurrection, Thomas comes to that same room and he says to the disciples, I need proof. If you understand this text as only one which is a condemning text, we misunderstand it. Because you see, I believe that Jesus Christ meets every one of us exactly where we need to be found. If you have doubt, he will find you in faith. If you have fear, he will give you courage. If you have Things in life that are coming upon you, he will give you the way to find a way out. I want you to know that the greatest point of life where you find yourself, perhaps in the deepest darkness and the deepest tunnel, you will find the presence of God exactly where you need him. That is why I tell people that the way we come to God is never the same. You don't have to come the same way that I have come to God. And I do not need to come to God the same way that you have found God. Every one of us finds God in that place where Jesus Christ comes to us and in his presence, at the moment we need it the most, when we open our hearts by faith, we're able to find him. You see, Thomas's doubts are really no different than our own, are they? How many times do we say, Lord, I believe, but help them I un." Belief, And Jesus comes to him in the midst of his own doubts, tells him what he needs to hear. Thomas, reach forth and touch my hands and feel the nail holes there. Reach forth your hand and touch the wound in my side given by the spear. But you see, Thomas didn't do that. But in the encounter with the risen Christ, he simply falls to his knees and says what every person by faith must ultimately come to. To say, my Lord and my God and find there the faith that we need. You see, Thomas, yes, was a doubter and so often we too are and in a hidden room with the doors closed because the fear, and we too, hidden in our secret rooms, with doors closed by fear, Jesus comes to us and says, whatever you need, I am here. Reach out and touch me. And if we can respond, my Lord and my God will have discovered there doubt is turned to faith and it makes all the difference in the world. John makes clear in our scripture today that these words are given that we might find that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of God. And through believing in him, we may have life in his name. Does it make a difference? Thomas was a doubting Thomas. But he became a believing Thomas, and it changed his life. Tradition tells us that at the dispersal of the apostles at Pentecost, Thomas went to evangelize the Parthenians, the Medes, and the Persians. He eventually made his way to India, carrying the faith to the Malabar coast, which still boasts a large native population, calling themselves to this day Christians of St. Thomas. He would give his life at the end of a spear to shed his blood for the faith that once in doubt, he now believed and died in 53 A.D. No longer a doubter, but a believer In Jesus Christ. And so I say as we gather together today on this Sunday after Easter. After all the bigness of Easter is through. This is the day. That we truly have to follow Jesus Christ. For some of us. That can be hard at times with all the things that happen to us. But it can happen because we still believe in the Lord who changes doubt into faith and that we too can proclaim today my Lord and my God. May we pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks that in the presence of Jesus Christ that our doubts, which at times can be many, can be turned into faith. May we reach forth our hands to take your hand, O God, for though we have not seen you in the flesh, we can yet believe because of that sure presence of Jesus Christ in our midst today. And so, O Lord, bless us and by thy hand upon us change our doubts into faith. And may we too proclaim today our Lord and our God in Jesus Christ. Amen. April 17th, 1746, the Battle of Culloden on Culloden Moor, north of Nairn, Scotland. On that day, the British troops broke the back of the Scottish Rebellion the clan system was destroyed forever. People were unmercifully killed. The Scots had all symbols of their allegiance to their land taken away. The kilt could no longer be worn. The tartans were burned. The plaids were outlawed. Some people were glad that the pipes were prescribed. But at the Kirk services, Kirk in Scottish's church, at the Kirk services, people wore under their coats a plaid or a tartan of their clan. And in a moment in the church service, the minister gave the blessing of the tartans and each person would reach in and touch the tartan that talked of home and family and loved ones and renewed themselves to the best ideals of what family and kin is all about. And to that now, I give you this, the blessing of the tartan. On behalf of the generations, for all those in ages past, who have borne tartans as symbols of their commitment to one another, and have bequeathed to their descendants a sound heritage and pride of homeland, we give God thanks. May we never forget that our family is a gift to be shared, that the stranger may be as welcome as the brother or sister. Never let us forget that a heritage of faith is a responsibility to be shared and not a treasure to be hoarded. We ask God's blessing upon the Tartans that they may ever be worn in peace and upon us, that God's peace may rule in our hearts and lives. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. May I invite you to stand as we join together in a hymn of dedication number 303, The Day of Resurrection.
5: standing near you as we receive our choral benediction.
1: that no doubt is too great. For we serve a greater God who loves and cares for you and will continue to hold you by the hand every step of the journey. May you go forth this day in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit to love and to serve and to be the light of Christ. Go in peace. Amen. Amen.